Thank you for tuning in to the Meridian Friends Church podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss any of the sermons posted each week. You can also find more information about our church at www.meridianfriends.org or on Facebook or Instagram by searching Meridian Friends Church. Now, enjoy the sermon. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Um, I have a little, my phone up here with the timer, how to, you know, telling me how long I'm supposed to preach and things like that. Uh, it just tells me how long I'm supposed to preach, so I'll turn it upside down. <laughs> um, let's see, I've got all the technology up here, let me make sure, okay, here we go. And you heard a little bit about my background, um, and I, I do apologize here, that should be Meridian, where's Mark? Apologize, Mark, I thought it was, and I didn't know, and I didn't correct it, and so, but uh, there is... Um, so you know it's the truth. I'm the guy in the front with the blazer on. <laughs> yep, that's me. And so, uh, so you know it really is true, and, and I did do stuff like that when I was a kid, and parts of it were fun, parts of it were interesting, and things like that, but I'm thankful for the time. Where's, where's Tom? Tom? Tom. I thank you, Tom, for the Dallas Cowboys hat. Don't you know I appreciate it. And uh, I'm, I'm a hardcore LA Rams fan. And so, in a freak accident, um, I was washing the hat out with some lighter fluid. <laughs> and I was standing uh, at Lori, Dave and Lori's house, and I got too close to the stove and dropped it. It caught on fire, and I pulled it out real quickly, but to put out the fire, I had to shove it down the garbage disposal. <laughs> so it may not make it all the way. Actually, it's fine. It's, I've got it packed with me. My son, one of my sons is actually a Dallas Cowboys fan, so um, I'll give it to him and let him have it. Tell him a, a guy I met in, in Idaho gave it to me, and he looked at me and said, Idaho? What are you doing in Idaho? But it's a pleasure to be here with you um, today. Thank you, Pastor Ken. God bless you. I got a chance to be with this man and be with him Friday, Saturday, and uh, today. Wow, what a, what a good heart. And um, thank you, Lori. Lori and Dave. Dave's watching for your hospitality. Oh my God. Man, they just, they just love on people. Neil, my traveling dog, God bless you. He and I travel together. He and I are really, you know, we get on the plane and I'm in the aisle and I'm talking to people walking by and he's over there in his, by the window just reading his book and, don't you want to talk to people? No. <laughs> don't you want to engage folks? No. Uh, and we just had a wonderful time here yesterday. My God, you've got some beautiful people here. My God, just a wonderful time. And so as part of this discussion about Meridian, Friends Church, I came to share with you the idea of the power of seasons and moments. Seasons and moments. And it's interesting that God takes us 
from this, these times of being um, fearful to being faithful to being fruitful. And the fearful part is learning to let go of what we're so used to, what we have in common, what's been the normal things for us, to understanding what it means to walk faithfully. There's faith, but there's also a faithfulness. Faith is believing God for the money. Faithfulness is how you steward what God has given you. And so it's important to have faith, but it's important to be faithful. To be faithful with what God has given you in Meridian Friends Church, a church of 59 years of history, of amazing history that's shared with us yesterday by Corey. Bless you, bro. And um, all the things that were spoken to us. But this idea of seasons and moments, we are always in the midst of either seasons or moments. God brings us through seasons and brings us to moments. The seasons are the times when God is proving us, preparing us, changing us. The moments are when God is promoting us, challenging us, taking us to a new place. And it's important to understand how to behave and how to react to the seasons and how to engage the moment. We can be like that in seasons and moments corporately as well as individually. And you have to ask yourself, God, where am I? Am I? Sometimes we're waiting for stuff to happen. God, I'm in this waiting mode. Well, you're in a season. I'm going to be sharing a few stories that I've told people I'm over 60 years old, so I tell stories. I've got grandkid stories and, and kid stories. My, my, I have three kids, Daniel, Matthew, and Christine. And Dan, Matthew got married several years ago, and he was staying at the house. And um, uh, he was, he's, a, he's a chef by, by profession. And he was moving from one job to the next job, trying to get this job that he wanted to get because he was about to get married to his beautiful wife, Ashley. Um, and, and, and my, my, my home is like, you know, the, we are the world. We are the world. I mean, really, it's, we got a mixed mix bag. My, 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 my Ashley is just a beautiful, red-haired, freckled Irish girl. Uh, my, my oldest son, um, wife, Laura, Laura Lynn Rangel. Um, and, of course, my, my kids are black. And uh, I tell people I'm black, but just on my mom and my dad's side. Um, but he's getting ready to get married to Ashley. We did the, I performed the wedding. We did it in our backyard. And he was really nervous about having enough money to be able to just take care of the household. And so he was applying for a job with, I think at that time it was Olive Garden or whatever. I can't remember what it was. And they put him through several job interviews. And I said, it's okay, son. That's what they do. When you're going to go, especially into a higher level role, they want to take you through multiple interviews to interview with multiple people because anybody can look good for 30 minutes. Anybody can look good for 30 minutes. So they take you through multiple interviews to see if you look good for this interview for 30 minutes, this interview for 30 minutes, and that person. And if there's something, we'll pick it up. And so he got, he, he, I was at home working, and he came in the room, and, well, on the, and he, just, he, ran, he ran in the room where I was. He said, Dad, I got the job. I got the job. And I said, wonderful. And I, I jumped up, and I hugged him. Now, you have to understand, you've seen the movie Austin Powers' Mini-Me? Mini Matthew is a maxi me. 
he's, 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 a, he's a, he, the boy can hide some groceries, okay? He can, and he's, 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 he's like me, but he's bigger. He's about 6'2", you know, 300 and some odd pounds, and when the boy holds you, you get held. And so I'm holding him, and you know how guys do, we do the, you know, the, the one Mississippi, two Mississippi break. Well, I did the one Mississippi, two Mississippi, and then I was about to break, but he's still holding on. The seasons of raising this young man to be dedicated, hardworking, loving God, loving his family. And the moment, because we were in a moment right there, he was holding me. He was, I, I, I didn't, it didn't click in my mind at first, but the way he held on to me, I realized we were in a moment of him holding on to me to express how appreciative he was for the position, for the blessings of God, for a dad to hold on to at that time. We go through seasons and moments. I'd like to use the backdrop of the children of Israel to discuss seasons and moments. One of the things I'm also a professor, Lori and I teach at Azusa Pacific University. I used to teach at Vanguard University and I taught Old Testament survey, one of the classes I taught, so I love talking about the Old Testament. But the children of Israel in the book of Numbers, I'm gonna go through a few of the scriptures here in, in Numbers chapter 13 and 14 and mainly focus on in Joshua chapter 3. And, and, and so I'm going to just kind of go over these here. When In the book of Numbers, when God tells the children of Israel, Israel it's time to go into the promised land. And, the, and Moses sends out the spies to go there for 40 days into the promised land to see if the cities are fortified, to check out the fruit of the land, bring back evidence of the fruit, show us what's going on there. And they go out and they come back 40 days later and, and all of them bring a negative report except who? Joshua and Caleb. I love when churches have been, people have been taught. Joshua and Caleb. And God tells them no. He tells them you're supposed to go to the promised land. They say no. These, uh, all the, all the, 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 the spies except Joshua and Caleb brought, brought back a bad report. A bad report. And God had told them to go in in spite of all the wonderful things that he had done for them. Now, mind you, they'd only been in the, in the, in the wilderness for about, by some reports, about 11 days or so, not very long, maybe a little bit longer than that. But they hadn't been in there very long. And God told them to go into the promised land. And they said no. And finally, God, God told Moses, okay, I'm going to wipe these people off the face of the earth. Moses says, no, God, no, don't do that. Don't do that. And God says, well, all right, fine. And then... He tells them, you're going to remain in the wilderness for 40 years. And then God tells them, they say to God, no, we're going to go in. We're going to go in. And Moses says, look, man, you guys can't go in now. God already told you not to go in. I, I code switch, in case y'all didn't. The teachers know what I'm talking about. Those code switch, I go from talking like this, how are you doing, to, yeah, what up, y'all? <laughs> so that's code switching. Pardon me if I do that from time to time. But after all this stuff, they, they, they decide to go in, on their, in, their, go in in their own strength. But they couldn't do it in their own strength. Don't do it in your own strength. In other words, folks, listen to God. Listen to God. I love that about Friends Church. Y'all listen for God. So we have this situation where the children of Israel faced a moment and they failed to go in and do what God told them to do. 
They missed the moment. They missed the moment. And then they tried to get it back in their own strength and their own way. And God said, all right, go ahead, try it. Check it out. Go ahead, y'all. And then they get their, their tails kicked in. Don't go in your own strength. Don't try to break out of the season in your own abilities. See, we got everybody over here knowing. All right, folks, for those that weren't here yesterday, when I say, you know, what I say, you feel me? As opposed to saying amen, y'all can just do like this, okay? And that works with the French church because y'all don't be liking to shout out. I'm, I'm Pentecostal. I'm, I'm, hey, we had a Pentecostal preacher there today, but, and he had us waving our hands in the air. So, so you don't have to yell out amen. Where, where's Alice? Alice, you can yell amen. Amen, sister. One of the things I did, I spent time learning names yesterday and the day before. Um, if you don't want to say amen, you can just do like, Alice says, says okay, Alice, you're going to do both good. But you can do this. So when I say y'all feel me, that means we go like this. All right? All right, brother? Okay, good. Every now and then you get someone that looks at me and says, I am not doing that. <laughs> Thank you. So the children of Israel... In this next moment, now we're going to go over to, to um, well, before God told them that you would be in the wilderness for 40 years until that generation that were the adults died off before you go into the promised land. Now, I want you to understand, the book of the Old Testament that gives us is about having examples to, as we take further into our lives and take further into the New Testament. And it isn't necessarily about taking things literally, but it's about understanding how God does things. Understanding the heart of God. That's why reading the, the Old Testament is so important. When you, you read the Old Testament, you get to understand really the heart of God. So we go over to the book of Joshua, because that's the next moment of God engaging them. And he says, as Moses died, now it's time to go over to the promised land. I, I want you to watch some things here, some very specific, unique things here. It's 40 years later, the older ones from the previous time, had died off. Verse 3, was we were told, let's look at chapter um, 3, verse 3. I'm going to be reading out of the English Standard Version. Pardon me, it's one of those, those, those hipper versions. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the, see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know that you shall, that, that, that may know that the way you go shall go, for you have not passed this way. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. So they took up the ark, and they went, and God told them as they went to the, the Jordan River, and the Jordan River this time is overflowing its banks. He tells the priest carrying the ark to step in. When your foot steps into the water, then I will stop the flood waters up at Adam. Now get, get this picture here, folks. Here, he's telling them, after sitting in the wilderness for 40 years, 
They're supposed to go over into the promised land. God says, I've given this land to you. I've given it to you. But you've got to do something. You have to step in. That's part of how Pentecostals do stuff. We've got to get, we get physical with it, you know? Tells them to all step in the water. And they're in the water holding the ark. The water doesn't part, but it stops upstream. And they have to wait for the water to subside. Now, when they crossed the Red Sea, what happened? Moses just got out there and just held up the staff, and all of a sudden, Cecil B. DeMille started talking and everything. It was just wonderful. One of my favorite movies. You know, it has less and less of a place in television nowadays. Now it's like they play it on Friday afternoons. It used to be Sunday, Easter Sunday night. Now they play it Saturday afternoon or something like that. It's weird. But, but I love that movie, and, um, even though it's not biblically correct. But in, in the old, when they crossed the, 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 the Red Sea, Moses held out the staff, God parted the waters, and they crossed over in dry land. Now... After, and when they're about to go into the promised land, God says, step in. There's got to be a, 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 a place of partnership which requires faithfulness for us to step in to that new place. Hear what I'm saying, folks. God carries us through seasons to prepare us. And then he carries us two moments to promote us. So God had them in the wilderness preparing them. And then as they got to the, this place going to the promised land, they were at a place before they wouldn't even go in. Here, they've got to step in the water before the, step in before the water stops. Because God, as you walk longer with God, God requires more of you. Genesis 1.26, one of the first time God describes something about himself, he says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. God does amazing things when he does it in partnership. In, the, in Genesis, he did it with himself. And, and now he does it with us. He wants to partner with us to see great things happen. One of his greatest miracles that was created was done in partnership when he created man. So now he wants to do one of his greatest miracles in partnership with man. Namely, Meridian Friends Church. He's carrying you through these seasons where it seems like we're just kind of moving along and just kind of doing the same stuff. And then all of a sudden you realize that this season has been a time of preparation. When we, uh, uh, Neil and I and Lauren, we, we, we were working with the, the, te the teams yesterday, it was clear that God was speaking something and had been speaking something to your, your church for some time. We didn't come and tell anything, we just came and listened and used a process to listen. And when people began to speak, we began to hear from all the different groups that we had there, and we were hearing that God has been having this church going through a season of preparation, taking you to a moment, <laughs> here, comes, here comes the Pentecostal, hallelujah, to a moment of promotion. The question is, are you ready to be promoted? Are you ready for the new place? If you can, do you feel me? God calls you to step into places. He wants to partner with you. But you've got to step in first. But what about, no, you've got to step in. Well, the water's kind of wet. Yeah, of course, step in. 
When is it going to come? You've got to step in first. What about the people who are over there? I don't know. We're going to step in. What, how are they going to act when they get over there? Step in. How can we afford this? Step in. What that's going to, what's that's going to change us all completely? Step in. Change, dear ones, is challenging. It takes us out of our comfort zone. It takes us out of the things we're used to. Our, our, our history, our, our culture. But see, God loves you enough and trusts you enough to bring these seasons and these moments of change and challenge to prove your faithfulness and what he's done already in you. He's brought you through the season of preparation to challenge you with the moment where you go into a new place. And I'm not talking physically in any building. I'm not talking that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm, not, I'm talking about a mindset and a perspective. The children of Israel were moving into this new place, and they had to understand that God wanted something more for them. Now, let's talk about what happened, uh, how they faced the seasons of this, these times of... of um, Seasons and moments, and the dynamics of seasons for moments. Seasons, as I said, are for preparation. Moments are for promotion. The promotion was to the promised land. Seasons where God has you sit down and learn and listen. Moments are when God takes you to that next place. Moment, it's not, when I say a moment, it's not like, you know, 1028 to 1029 a.m. It's not just a minute. That's a minute. But it's a time when God is bringing you to a new place. It may not be just a few minutes on a clock, it may not just be a day, but it's, you're facing a moment where you can look back and say, God did something there. God is doing something and desiring to do something in you and in this people. Go ahead and say amen, sister. Amen. Right on. Right on. God bless you. Thank you, brother. I'm getting a back here. So. How they face the moment. Something has to die. Now, it, it isn't this, I'm not talking about, because let's not understand, let's understand how we're talking here. Let me give you an example. The church that I was, I pastored, I, I attended the church before I started pastoring. And I was there, I came, I, 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 was, I was saved in that congregation, came to know the Lord in that congregation, and then moved up and I was pastoring the congregation. And uh, that's a challenge right there. I'm sure you can imagine, Pastor. But we, went to, we, we were in this church in, in a city in Los Angeles area called Linwood. Then we moved to a place called Inglewood. Inglewood, for many, many years, uh, was uh, a racially restricted city, uh, very much so. And then by, by the time we moved there, there was, our church moved there, there had been a, a real shift in the demographics. But the church, for many years, was still stuck in their old stuff. And so the pastor, his name was Paul Hackett, they went there and they were looking up through some of the old records and things like that in the church. And they had these records that, uh, for, for follow-up. When people visited their church uh, and they had the information how they handled follow-up to reach out to the people to see if they might come back again. And then they had reasons why they were not reaching back out to them to have them come back to the church. And they had the names and they typically had, they had a little mark next to their name, a little code, and at the bottom they had a legend 
indicate what the low market, so a check mark might mean visiting from out of town. Uh, a star would uh, here for a Mother's Day celebration, they attend another church in another area. And then there were certain names that, you, as you went down the list, they had the brown pencil C next to them. Now, that didn't mean they were from Cancun, no. Um, when you went down to the bottom, you saw the reason why they did not follow up with these people to tell them more about Jesus, to have them grow more in Jesus, was because they were colored. My point is simply this. They had a certain idea of hermeneutics then, uh, how the church engaged. And then here we have this congregation that was primarily, not exclusively, but predominantly black coming into the, into the building. Now the pastor had passed away. There's some things that need to die off. It's not just about people dying off. It's about attitudes dying off. It's about the values that we, we, we've held on to for so long that they, at our old church, thought were right. And I'm not saying that you guys are doing the same thing. I'm not saying that at all. And I'm not saying anything that you have is, 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 is like that. I'm not saying that at all. So please, don't feel that. But there are times when God challenges us, challenges us on our perspectives, when it comes to really reaching people for Jesus. Are you looking to fill the church with Christians? Or are you looking to fill the church with people who become Christians? Ooh. People who are not Christians, they don't act like us. They do weird stuff. You know, they use foul language. They walk across the street and they smoke cigarettes and stuff like that. You know, they, they, may, they come in, they got family issues. Their life is not perfect like ours. <laughs> mm. And it's up to us to begin to mentor and to love on them and love them to liberty. The thing about, and I'm almost done, the difference between, well, let, me, let me rephrase that. What happened between the time when they failed to go into the promised land and went under, under Moses when the spies went in and under Joshua, if you read through scripture there, you'll see that there are not a lot of miracles that happened during that period of time. Not, I don't know, if, I don't think, I don't, there probably weren't even any that happened during that time. But the difference between the, the, the time of Moses and the time of Joshua, two things happen as you're reading through Scripture. Two things happen. The old stuff died off, and they grew in worship. They worshiped God. They learned to do the Mosaic Law. They learned how to, how to go through the process of worshiping God. Now, what's clear, what's clear to me as I read this and read through things behind, between the lines. The people who died off, yes, they, some things died, those people died off, but they had to prepare the young people so that when the time came to go into the promised land, they were ready. It wasn't as if the, 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 the old people just died off, well, we got nothing to do, so let's sit around here, you know, whittle a little bit, you know, whittle some acacia wood, no. They had to teach the young people how to worship, how to walk in faith, how to trust God. They didn't see the miracles of the Red Sea parting. They didn't see, 
you know, the, the, the sun being, and being held in place when, when Moses held up his arm. They didn't see those things. They were taught about worshiping and trusting God. And they were taught by the people who were there. So don't think if, you're, if you've got a few gray hairs that you have no, no role. <clears throat> it doesn't matter whether or not you're going to be here in 2042. Your impact is critical right now. Who knows, praise God, if you are, you know, if, are you with Jesus, it doesn't matter. There's, there's, a, there's a preparation. There's a process. There's, there's work that needs to be done today. If we have, what's your grandson's name? Brooks. Brooks. If Brooks is going to, I think there's an anointing on that baby. I think there's a call on his life. He just has this engaging way about himself that I just I, I typically see that's part of. I'll leave it there. You can tape it and write it down. I don't care. You know, but I believe there's something on his life. But if Brooks is the youth pastor then, who's going to do the work to prepare Brooks to be able to be the youth pastor then? Who's going to prepare them? So, so some things have to, some, some things have to die off. And we've got to grow in God. And there's a role for every one of you here. Somebody's got to do the preparation. Somebody's got to remind, because sometimes when we're, when we're, when, when, when we're, we're younger, we find ourselves walking in tradition and things of the past that we don't even realize are just traditions and are not, not, not of God. Sometimes the old folks have to tell us, you know what, we did that when we were younger, but it really wasn't what God had us to do. We just did it because we, that's how we just kept together. Maybe God's got you something, doing something different for you. It's amazing how the older people can be the ones who understand grace and the direction and the hand of God moving. So somebody's got to be the ones to give advice and teaching and training and to encourage. I'm going to close out with one story. This is a true story. True story. Tell, tap somebody and say, this is a true story. You're not Pentecostal. You, you said the Pentecostal Pentecost is attaching you, going out on the street. Hey, everybody! True story. Oh, I haven't switched the slides, have I? I'm sorry. There's a slide. 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 Face the moment. And there's a slide. Okay. I forgot I had it was my job. I'm reading a long time. Somebody's changing the slides for me back there. I forgot I had the thing right there. Years ago, years ago, I had a, a little Honda 75 Honda Civic. Bought it from a thing called the Recycler. We have in Southern California. A little paper you buy stuff, used stuff from everybody. You can buy everything from cars to water beds to weight sets to, to the guitars, everything. Bought a, a, a actually I bought this off a, a dealership, a little cheap dealership. And, it, and the car, those little Honda Civics that had the little, you know, bump in the back and the hatchback. <coughs> And the, the, they're front-wheel drive cars, and sometimes if the cars are not running well, the front uh, axle needs to be repacked, and, and the ball bearings need to be adjusted. Otherwise, the car will run, and you can put it into gear, and, and it'll go, but it won't move. It'll just go click, 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 click. And you're putting it in gear, and nothing happens. <clears throat> well, my car was starting to do that, and I said, I'm going to take it to the shop about, you know, maybe five, ten minutes from where we lived to have the guy fix it. 
And um, I needed to drive there because I didn't have money for a tow truck. I mean, I was so poor, I couldn't pay attention. And so I'm driving the car, and I'm driving down the street called Vermont Avenue in Los Angeles. And Vermont Avenue is a big, broad street. You've got three lanes going one way, three lanes going the other way, and a great big uh, center median with grass that's probably about 15 yards wide. So it's a big, broad street. So I'm driving down through, and I'm going, <coughs> oh, excuse me, <clears throat> and all of a sudden, it starts to cut out on me. It starts just click, 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 click. And I pull over. I think, what am I going to do? I got about another mile to get to the, the car shop. I've got a mile and a half to get back to home. I'm just sitting there saying, Lord, what am I going to do? I pull over next to this uh, convalescent home. Convalescent home. <clears throat> and I'm sitting there, and I, I don't know what to do. I'm just like, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? What do? And I have this long mirror in my car that I put in. It's called a wink mirror. It's, it's long, and you can see everything behind you. It drives you crazy. I to take it off. But I'm just looking at one of the mirrors, and I see this guy behind me in a motorized wheelchair. Kid you not. Coming along, he's coming up the sidewalk. <laughs> just coming up the sidewalk. And uh, he starts like he's about to go into the convalescent hospital. But then he turns to me and he says, hey, you okay? I said, um, <clears throat> my car stopped and I'm trying to, I don't know what to do. And I, Oh, you need a, and he says to me this, you need a push? <laughs> um, yeah, maybe. Um, guy's in a wheelchair, mind you. He's in a wheelchair. And he says, okay, um, put it in neutral. So the guy comes off the side, off the, the little driveway, he comes off the driveway, gets behind me, gets behind the car, and he yells against me, put it in neutral. That's, okay. I'm thinking about, okay, I gotta humor the guy. This is like 30, 40 years ago, 30, year, maybe 30 plus years ago. So I take the car and I put it in neutral. And he says, are you ready? I said, uh, ready for what, you know? This guy had his medication, I don't know. And he says, you sure it's in neutral? I said, yeah. He says, get ready. Okay, all right, here we go. Next thing you know, <coughs> the guy flips the switch on his motorized wheelchair, and we start going down the street. <laughs> I kid you not. I, I kid you not. Those of you that have done any kind of speed racing cars, we got scratch. It was like, and we're going down the street. I'm sitting in here going, I'm looking in the rearview mirror, he's back to going. <laughs> People are looking at me, we crossed by one street, Redondo Beach Boulevard, which is another big street. People are going like, oh my God. <laughs> and we're just, and I just said, <sighs> and he's just pushing me along in his wheelchair. In his wheelchair, he's pushing me along. I get down to where my auto, the auto, uh, the, the, the fixer shop is, and I just turn into the driveway. I look behind him, the guy is gone, and I just coast up right where the mechanics bay is, and I stop right there. The guy pulls up, come, looks up from another car, and he says, How'd you get here, buddy? <laughs> uh, I can't tell you. Never mind. The guy in the wheelchair sends me on my way, broken. 
unable to walk on his own, but have the ability to get me to where I needed to go. You think you can't do it. I'm sorry, the Pentecostal's coming out now. You think you can't do it, but all you got to do is you got to put the little step in the power. <clears throat> step into the power. Say amen, sister. Step into the power, and before you know it, you find yourself going places that you thought you couldn't go. You just got to flip the switch and get to where you're going. Sometimes you think you can't do it, you can't make it, you don't have the money for it, you don't have the people for it. Just flip the switch to the power of God and watch God take you to where you need to go, folks. He's just waiting for you to just say, yes, I'm in neutral, God. I'm not running my own program. I'm not running my own plan. I'm not trying to make things happen on my own, God. I'm just letting and waiting for you to send me on my way. You got to get from the season to the moment, and when the moments arrive, let God take control and send you where you need to go. Amen? The power of seasons and moments. Seasons prepare. Moments promote. Seasons change. Moments challenge us. Dear ones, the hand of God is upon Meridian Foursquare. Meridian, I can't say the one just Meridian Friends Church. Are you ready? You're in neutral waiting for God to do what he wants to do, waiting for God to send who he wants to send. You think they don't have enough strength, you don't have the power, they don't have enough, they've got, they're broken, they've got all these problems going on in their lives, but all of a sudden, sometimes, sometimes, dear ones, it's, it's, it's the broken stuff in your life that allows you to trust in God's hand. I can't do this on my own. God, you can do it. Just tell me when you want to go. Where you want to go? Let everybody see it, God, because they're going to watch us move. We're going to watch us move, God. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Uh, You are welcome.